I'm Chaplain Brennan Francois, and I'm speaking to you on behalf of Mark Bowen, the coroner of Richmond County. As you may know, Mark is running for re-election. You may have heard of his many years of experience in law enforcement and in medicine. Those things are important, but here's what really matters. Personal experience outweighs professional experience. That's why Mark's office sends personal cards to every family that experiences the death of a loved one. In times of grief, the character of people is revealed. The character of Mark's office is made up of love and compassion. You have a chance to reelect a man who cares, a man who understands the power of not only expertise, but the power of empathy. Please join me. Re-elect Mark Bowen as your coroner of Richmond County. Welcome to Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon. Uh, I always enjoy this time of the year, as you guys know. Enjoy uh, having a chance to sit down uh, with candidates and incumbents. And so we are sitting with an incumbent now. We're actually sitting with the coroner of Augusta, Richmond County. So glad to have here with us as he is in the midst of a re-election campaign. We're here with Mark Bowen. How you doing, my friend? I'm fine. Thank you, Ken, for having me. So glad to have you on the show. One of the things I want to talk to you about, and I think this is really just kind of encapsulates and is maybe may just be the essence of your campaign. You've talked so much about experience from a personal perspective and a professional perspective. Experience. What does that mean? Ken, I was born and raised right here locally and um, grew up here in Augusta and, and my father had a business here. Um, I went through high school actually in North Augusta, but okay. uh, when I graduated, I didn't want to go into the family business. I wanted to try something different, so I got into, uh, actually in high school, I was working as a volunteer for the Belvedere North Augusta Rescue Squad back in the late 70s. Oh, wow. And um, just transitioned through police work, um, EMS, and ended up here at the coroner's office 20 years ago. So um, just then, in, 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 you know, love working with public safety, love working with the citizens and for the citizens, and, and just an honor to help them anytime I can. I want to ask you about that intersection very quickly, uh, because your career has, you know, it's um, involved law enforcement. It's also involved, you know, the medical field. Talk about that fusion and, and the relationship to your office. Absolutely. Um, both fields are very important in this office because um, a lot of cases, uh, a lot of cases are not crimes where it could be a medical issue or the reason why this person died. Uh, we have to subpoena medical records. We have to read medical records. We have to uh, determine a cause and manner of death, even in the medical patients, not crimes. And so um, knowing that, it, it makes it a whole lot easier with the you know, medical terms, medical terminology. Uh, when you sit down and interview a doctor or a nurse, or it just makes it a whole lot easier when you know what's going on. You know, there has been times when um, we've subpoenaed medical records and, and what the doctor may have put down as the cause of death really isn't the cause of death. Oh, wow. We may have to, we may have to change the cause of death or, or you know, um, assist in getting it changed. It's, um, it's a very important to have both um, backgrounds, very important. I want to ask you, because I'm just, like I said, sit down with folks and just kind of different questions pop into my mind. So much of what you all do, as you mentioned, does involve, you know, when people pass away. How much of an emotional toll does that take on you? And, you know, as someone I can imagine just as a public servant, uh, you know, 
being conscientious about these things. I can imagine that being in this position, man, it can kind of wear on you sometimes. Absolutely. And if a person tells you it don't bother them, they're in the wrong field. Because hmm. I'm telling you now, it gets to you. You, you. Some nights you stay awake thinking about the families, thinking about their, you know, what's going on, uh, right, you know, what what's happened. Uh, you keep playing it over and over. Um, it's a, you know, it's a it's a hard road for a lot of people, but it's an honor also to work with the families to guide them. Um, you know, we have many sources that we can do for the families you know um, we um, we want to make sure they get their grieving process started and and and, and have assistance if they need it and what I mean by that um, grief counselors we have access to grief counselors um, we have access to chaplains um, and we'll even go sit with families if we have to and, and talk with them and you know just when uh, when the death occurs and we go out and do our investigation, it may take a couple or several days to do the investigation. But when we meet with the family and give them the cause and manner of death, we don't cut it off there. We still stay involved with that family. Um, I've got one lady right now that just, I'm gonna see her at least two or three times a month. She comes to my office. She may call me and, and a lot of times it, it was actually her son um, that died, and um, I got to be pretty close with her. And she, like I say, she'll come by the office two or three times a month. She's gonna call me at least once, twice a month, and she may not say no more than just "Hey, I just want to say I love you." Hmm. And it's just a, it's just a, a bond that, that people don't realize that you know is there. Man, and might as well go ahead and ask you: with COVID nineteen and so much of what's going on, how much has that changed what you all do within the context of your office? We still we're going just as hard as we were. Now we're taking extra precautions, sure. uh, making sure that we follow guidelines and do what's right by the by the CDC. Um, and you know we try to get it tested and done, and so we can start alerting people of what's going on as soon as it happens. It's good to know. Good to know. I want to ask you about your campaign. I'm sitting here looking at different achievements and unique qualifications. If you could just share some of that with the listening audience, it's. It's honestly intimidating. It's a lot. <laughs> and I mean, you're very accomplished, obviously, if you could share some well, of that. Thank you. Yes, sir. Um, I've been in death investigation over 24 years. Um, out of that 24 years, uh, I have been also a death investigator instructor where I teach uh, at police academies, EMS, um, where, whatever, uh, first responders, um, even go on crime scene classes with them to, to show them what to, and not to do at death scenes. Traffic fatalities. I've worked traffic fatalities for years when I was on the sheriff's department, and like I say, I've had two years of funeral service, uh, which you know was a great help to me to learn how to deal with families too on on the funeral side of it, um, and eight years in the medical field. So I feel like that uh, with with all of the training, I'm the best qualified for this job right here in Richmond County. I want to ask you: you were appointed in 2014, elected by the citizens of. Augusta, Richmond County in 2016. Just talk about that because it's one thing to be appointed. It's something else entirely right. to be, to have the people who live here go to the voting booth and say, this is the man we want. Talk about that transition from when you were appointed because that's more of a, more of a, I guess, peer-oriented um, achievement versus, hey, the people want this, want this right. job. Talk about that. The, um, the appointment was, was great. Uh, I was very proud of the appointment, very thankful for the appointment. And, and we started working just like if we was elected for the citizens. It, it, that's what we were here there for. 
when I when it came up for election, we stood proud, we pushed hard, and we, you know, let the citizens know nothing's going to change. Went from appointment to this, we're doing the same thing. We're pushing hard. We're here for them. We're going to be here for them. Uh, our doors open 24/7. Um, but we just, you know, we just the citizens proved it. You know, we're here. I want to ask you about Cave. Mm-hmm. Um, crimes Against the Vulnerable and Elderly. It's a task force. You're a founding member and you also serve on that board. I know that's something that's important when you talk about, I mean, just our, our senior community and not just our seniors, but just like you say, people who kind of kind of in harm's way. Talk about the formation of that sure. and um, and basically the, the function of it. Actually, um, our district attorney, Natalie Payne, and I and Chief James sat down and uh, we realized it was a, a problem. James. Did you say Chief James? Chief uh, okay. Chris James with Chris fire department. I'm, oh, I'm sorry. No, Chris no. James with fire department. Um, we kind of started this this um, cave unit, and uh, it was basically we were seeing a lot of um, personal care homes where the lack of care, financial problems, et cetera, was going on. And so we decided that we'd put this team together, and it, it has been uh, just an outstanding team. It has closed some of the bad personal care homes down. Um, some arrests have been made for people that's been mistreating a lot of the, the elderly people. And, um, you know, it's just unbelievable that people were living like this. And so we were very fortunate to get this. We was one of in the state to have it, the only one. And uh, um, Natalie has also done a great job help, you know, not helping, but Natalie's also done a great job putting it together and, and prosecuting and, and doing what we need to do to these uh, people who mistreat these people your loved ones in these personal care homes. Um, also to mention on that note there, I took in uh, last year, put a bill at the Capitol through our representatives, uh, House Bill 262 uh, for nursing homes who do not call the coroners now when they have a death. Uh, that bill is in-house now trying to get passed. Uh, if it's passed, we will be responding to nursing homes to make sure they're taken care of. Um, make sure that, that your loved one is is being taken care of like they should be. What would that look like in terms of, and not just for lack of a better word, I guess policing that or just making sure what um, what type of guidelines you know will those nursing homes have to adhere to? Anything other than a natural death. Well, let me back up. They'll have to call us on everything. Um, but the main worries we run into is like the anything other than a natural death. Um, somebody falls and hits their head. Mm-hmm. They're sent to the funeral home and or cremated before we ever see it or call it. Now, I'll get a death certificate because a doctor cannot sign anything but a natural death certificate. Well, if it's an accidental, I see it two or three weeks later. It's too late because the, the, the guy's either buried or, or cremated, and we can't really investigate it. We have to go off what notes they have, or nurses' notes, et cetera. Um, and, and by all means, I'm not saying nurse, all nursing homes are bad. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is we can work together to make this, make sure that loved ones are taken care of. Obviously, so much of, you know, what we're talking about in terms of your reelection campaign involves the voters. If you could just reemphasize to the voters and just the importance of making sure that people come out and make their voices heard. Absolutely. Please come out and vote. Come out and vote and let your voice be heard. Let the decision be yours. Don't ever think that, hey, my vote don't count. Your vote counts. So please get out and vote. Sounds good. Coroner Mark Bowen. So glad to have you on this episode of Making a Difference. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, Ken.